Boy, you're dropping the ball all day today. Let's do I know. 20. All right. Sink. Okay. Did that pick up on the recording? It did. It did. It super did. <laughs> Who? Who's dropping the ball now? That's okay. Well, I. All right. I, I say as I turn my phone to silent. <laughs> Welcome to Direct-to-Video. VHS? VHS? A podcast where we pair movies like fine wine. Andy! Yes. What year is it? It is the year 2020. And what uh, season is it? Winter? I was going to say season three, but I like where you're going. Kind oh. of. <laughs> <laughs> I was really confused by that question. I was like, Swing and a miss. Yeah. Pointed toward the fences, and I just hit myself in the face. Yeah, yes, it is season three. Whatever that means for this show, it is what it is. Well, okay, we didn't... We did the whole season two thing, which was fun. But I don't think that did mean anything for the show. It was more of just me being an ass, I think. Right, right, right. Uh, And like I said, it was fun. We did change the theme song, though. We did do that. And we, uh, maybe that was the point where we switched up the DVD extras. Mm-hmm. I think the current DVD extras are much less annoying than the original ones, which were yeah. just like, we want something in the feed. But <laughs> for season three, we wanna, we do want to change something in the like main show. I don't, we still don't know how this is going to go. But we're going to do it. But we're going to do it because we, we think it's going to be better in terms of like time management. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, As two people who seem to be having less and less time on our hands, uh, we are only going to be talking about one movie today. Next week, we will be talking about the sequel and the kind of like, I think there's a short movie that accompanies this that I just threw in there because it's like, what, 15 minutes? five minutes. Yeah, Yeah. it's short. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, And I'm like, half of it is like credits probably. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be doing there. And uh, and we're going to just try, we're going to see if maybe divvying it up is better for us. I do want to try it like this because one of the one of the things that you sometimes mention about the show, like a lot of our episodes are upwards of two hours or like two and a half hours. And it can be hard to like get somebody on to a show where they're like, okay, so you want me to listen to the two hour and 46 minute Yu-Gi-Oh episode, huh? That one I do recommend they listen to all of it. But I actually, I, I, I actually, uh, I mentioned that because I think we were at really top tier in that one. We're going to be making like a show, but if people want, they can divide it into two different shows, which is a show where we, so we have three shows now, but in one show, which is pairing movies like Fine Wine, where we watch a good movie, watch the sequel, and then talk about how good one is versus how bad the other is, right? Sure. But if you don't want to listen to us talk about shitty sequels, you could just listen to the first part now. And then we're just a podcast that like talks about amazing movies. Or <laughs> only listen to the second part, and we're just angry people, mad at the world, <laughs> crying out against the heavens. Why did you make this? That's what it's going to be like. So, let's get started. Tangled. 2010. This movie is 10 years old. Well, it will be this November, I think. This movie, more than any other Disney film, has a story behind it. And more than any other Disney film, it is hard to find anything about it. 
Hmm. Tangled is the 12th most expensive movie ever produced in history. So numbers 1 through 11, just real quick, are Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, Justice League, Solo A Star Wars Story, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, John Carter of Mars, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and then Tangled. Boy, I one day, not today, would love to get into why the hell somebody sank so much money into John Carter of Mars. You, Disney, you mean. <laughs> why, why Disney did that. They're the ones who did it. All of these movies are like flagship franchises and they're all live action. Up until you get to Tangled. Ta- and Tangled is like the only completely animated movie until The Lion King 2019. Most of these movies are live-action franchise films, right? And Tangled is kind of an outlier here where it is like a fully animated film. Not hyper-realistic, fully just fully animated, um, which is something else that it has different on The Lion King, right? Mm-hmm. $260 million to make. It got a box office of $591.8 million. Um, I think its opening week went to something like $22 million. So the movie was a success. It wasn't the big success that Disney wanted it to be. Rapunzel... Is a movie that Walt Disney Animated Studios has been kicking around since the 40s. I think a big thing about this movie, and I want to just get this right here over the top before I say this. I love this movie, but now I'm going to say the thing I'm going to say. This movie has a bit of an identity crisis. I think both in its production and in the actual film itself, where it doesn't really, it doesn't really know what it wants to be. On the one hand, it, it, it is a Disney princess movie pioneered and for a long time headed by one of the greatest Disney animators of all time, Glenn Keane, who wanted to make a 2D animated Disney princess movie in the style of Beauty and the Beast and Snow White and Cinderella. Like he mm-hmm. wanted this movie to be an ode to those films. Like And Glenn Keane animated Ariel. He animated uh, Pocahontas. He like, like, like he, he is like a huge name at Disney. And he was supposed to direct this movie, and he wanted it to be 2D. He fought for it, um, lost the fight, but pushed 3D animation in this movie in a lot of ways that when you watch it, like, I cannot believe this movie came out 10 years ago. It looks fucking amazing. It is one of the most beautiful movies I have seen, and, and, and I haven't seen this movie in, like, nine years. And so, like, I'm blown away by it. Let, but I, I do want to talk a bit more about the production of this movie, because this movie, like, again, was supposed to be this traditional Disney princess film until... Uh, something big happened around the late 2000s, close to 2010. Disney formally acquired Pixar, and Ed Catmull and other people kind of came into Disney Animation, and a lot of people from Disney Animation moved over to Pixar. There was some like crossbreeding here, but specifically Ed Catmull, who was one of the co-founders of Pixar, really pushed this movie to get done. And they basically shut down the film's production uh, until Catmull was completely in charge of. Disney Animation Studios. So at this point, the film had been in production for almost eight years, and now it's getting completely revamped from bottom to top. This movie is, in effect, the moment when Disney formally goes from 2D animation completely to 3D animation, and they never look back after this. Like, this is when the fight was lost, which I think is a shame. But I will say that around this time, also, Glenn Keane had to step off of the director's role due to, like, personal health issues. But he stayed on as an animation supervisor. And um, I think it shows, because there's something in this movie that was, and I think we'll get into it as we talk about it, that Mm -hmm. the next big Disney princess movie, in my opinion, doesn't have when it comes to its animation and its style. 
in 2009 is when uh, the casting was, was officially announced. Mandy Moore, a traditional singer-songwriter, who you might remember from our previous episode, Brother Bear 2. <laughs> That's still fucking wild. <laughs> I know! <laughs> um, Mandy Moore was like a star when Brother Bear 2 came out. <laughs> she was like a person. A huge uh, person. Like a big name, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, um, and also then she she does actually get to be a real Disney princess later, which is also kind of crazy. Right? Oh, uh, man. Brother Bear 2. Sorry, I need a moment. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> uh, and Zachary Levi was announced as a brand new character, uh, Flynn Rider. I think this is, I think this is Zachary Levi's, like, breakout role. Well, he was in Chuck. People liked him in Chuck. I, I well, yeah, but like I think there is, there is a difference between like being TV famous and being in movies famous. Although he was in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie before this, <laughs> I don't think. Which here's the thing, right? When I watched, when I saw Alvin and the Chipmunks: The Squeakquel, which future episode. Um, I know it's a future episode, but I had assumed that, like me, you had not seen it already. No, I was a big fan of Alvin and the Chipmunks as a kid. Okay, that's wild for anybody, like, under 40, but go on. Anyway, thanks. Um, so I mean, I, it is, I, though, right? I'm not the crazy one. <laughs> they had all those direct-to-video movies, though. Uh, did they? Like, Alvin and the Chipmunks meet the werewolf, which is the only one I watched. <laughs> but I was anyway. a big fan of it. Tell um, me about tell me about Zachary Levi and Alvin well, and the Chipmunks, I guess. When he showed up in Alvin and the Chipmunks, I was like, oh, that's Chuck. Hey, look, that's Chuck. But then when he showed up in Thor, I was like, oh, that's Zachary Levi. Was he in Thor? Yeah, he was Fandral. Well, in Thor 2. And then we also have Donna Murphy, who kind of steals the show in this movie. She does. But in a way that I think Disney, like it's okay for a Disney villain to do. She steals the show in the same way Scar does, where you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Whoever this is, awesome. Mm -hmm. Good work. And all of these actors did their own stunts. This is a dumb joke. (laughs) Hey, Andy. Um, Yeah. This is a dumb joke. (laughs) This is stupid. Anyway. Um, The movie was called Rapunzel, I think, up until about a year before its release when they settled on Tangled as the name, which caused a little bit of a controversy. Yeah, controversy. The word that popped in my head was hubbub. And... um, (laughs) I guess in some ways it did, but, like, that's not usually the word for that. Yeah, let's mosey along to this hubbub. Yeah. And be fans of Alvin and the Chipmunks, I guess, because now we're both 60. Log into the movie? Let's do it. It opens with Flynn narrating, and I'm immediately going to stop so we can talk a little bit about him. So I watch this on Disney+. Plus. Okay. And on Disney+, Plus they have these extras. Oh, Okay. And there were two cut extras that were um, different openings. They eventually landed on Flynn narrating. But before, it was supposed to be a storybook opening. You know, like Sleeping Beauty or Snow Jungle White. Book. No. I mean, yeah, but like, no. <laughs> well, it, it, the storybook opening wasn't, it wasn't exclusively a Disney princess thing. Like, there's a certain period of Disney animation where they did that. Right, but like you said earlier, I think the point was that it's supposed to be like a throwback to the old princess movies, specifically. Yes. Um, and I find it interesting, Those, if you watch those openings, 
a couple of them spend a little bit more time with Rapunzel as a kid, which I kind of like, but, like, mostly, I think, having the more personal, this is Flynn Rider telling a story, feels a lot better. I will also say, though, I hate, I hate voiceover openings. If Zachary Levi wasn't talking at all, I would get what's happening here, but, all right, like, that's too much, though. I understand that, like, just having this be silent is, like, too much. Mm-hmm. I think if I wanted him doing a voiceover intro like this, I would want a framing device at the beginning. Like maybe he's, maybe it's like you it's show him like reading a book to like a bunch of orphans or something. Right. We do not get a reason because his voiceover comes back and we, we don't get who he's telling the story to mm-hmm. or like why he's telling it to us, that kind of thing. That's a solid point. It's interesting because we are introduced to him before anybody else. And the movie does do a thing where it zooms in on on probably the only poster in all of the kingdom that got his likeness right. Right. So that we know who's talking to us without him saying it, mm-hmm. it which is like, oh, okay, I'm assuming that this is the guy who's talking. And we know what his name is now. Uh, well, kind of. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but we know what his uh, nom de plume is, I guess. Yes. I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I thought this mom was going to die. Oh, really? There are so many points in this movie because I had forgotten so much of it. Like, I remembered the big stuff. But, like, I, 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 the parents are such a non-entity in this movie. I legitimately was like, oh, this mom's going to die because I don't remember her. <laughs> no, she's only in two scenes and she does not get any lines. None of the parents do. They don't speak at all. It's baffling. Could you imagine? Just imagine with me for a moment here, right? Right is if at the very end of this movie, like John Goodman just says at the very end something like, Was oh, John Goodman alive? He's still alive now. Who am I thinking of? Who are you thinking <laughs> of? Anyway, do go on. You know, like well, Sully from Monsters Inc. What does John Goodman say? He he just he just like like the only speaking line he has is just like something like, I don't know, welcome home or whatever. Something, right? Anything? I need By these the two way, to they, speak. They didn't they didn't get John Goodman for for him. I forget who they got. We'll talk about that in the next episode, I guess. Yeah, okay, cool. I mean, as long as they get somebody. Well, because they, they are characters in the next in, in the next movie. Yeah. Because it's about her now being, now like living in the castle. The big thing in the opening of this movie is that the king of this kingdom uh, is having a kid, but his, his wife in childbirth has gotten very sick. And so he told all of his soldiers, you need to go out and find some magic bullshit to save my wife. Okay, so I had actually only just seen this movie last month because I was watching it with my family. Something I noticed was that hundreds of years ago, the sun drop formed, which is a magic flower, right? Formed from a sun, apparently a drop of sunlight that fell to the earth. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. I forgot about the magic stuff. And Mother Gothel is also there centuries ago. So Mother Gothel is very old. And also this sun drop... Must have been, like, part of the legend of this kingdom. That has to be why there's a flower on their flag. Yes. Like, stuff like that was stuff I was putting together. So, like, he's sending them to go after this magic bullshit, but it must be, like, established magic bullshit. That, like, somebody knows it's out there somewhere. Yeah. I I, I find it akin to, you know, like, King Arthur and the Holy Grail, right? Like, the Holy Grail is this, like millennia old artifact and relic and he's like well if you can find this magic flower we know it will save my wife so the soldiers go to look for it but unfortunately it's under the care of of a metal as fuck mother (laughs) gothel what a cool name oh hey this is important oh man this is actually huge during those other intros 
that they ended up cutting and not using. Yeah. Mother Gothel could turn into, like, a bird or many birds. And Mother Gothel, uh, in her current version, does not seem to have any personal magic herself. But it always, it was always weird to me that she could climb into the princess's bedroom and just steal her. And before it was like, well, she is many birds. I, I do like this idea, though, because later on in the movie, we get this idea that she is, like, a fairy tale. She she has a cloak that makes her look like the witch from Snow White. but from like Snow White, yes. She has, like, that same traveling cloak. But instead of looking like an old, warty witch, she looks like Donna Murphy. But also, at that point, she ages so quickly. Well, she's been she's been cheating death for hundreds of years. Right, but like her hair is already turning white at that point. It seems like you know, this was again something I was trying to pay attention to was like how long does the song help her? And like she she talks about being worried about being gone for three days. I bet you it's like less than a week, and she's like pretty pretty rough around the edges, you know. Well, I I do think the 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 magic the way the magic works and this is a little wishy washy at the end, but I I I would have given her maybe a week, yeah, like oh yeah. because it has to be quick, but it it also has to be manageable because she does have to travel and have to get stuff. Yeah, she's she's always leaving. Rapunzel, we find out, is alone a lot. So well, and and this is something that's interesting, right? Is like by choosing this method of imprisonment, locking somebody in a tower. She has locked herself to a very specific geocentric location, right? Like, she can't go, she can't travel more than three days in any direction. She has. But the other thing is, they're not far from the kingdom. She must often go to the kingdom to, like, get stuff. I would think she would not want to risk it, or maybe she does, like... I would think that, too. I don't, I don't actually know what's up with her. I do get the sense that she has, like, some illusionist, like, not magic, but, like semi-magic right like soft magic as opposed to like the hard magic of the flower yeah on top of that i was gonna mention this later but she's just very good at using people yes you know like not just rapunzel she's just it seems like she can walk into almost any situation and manipulate people into being on her side you would think then instead of stealing a baby you would just apply to be her nanny yeah Except she does get away with stealing that baby, so... She does She does get away with stealing the baby. I just think... I think Mother Gothel, like many supervillains, has a very... Has, has a specific goal, but isn't future thinking, right? Like, what do I do after the goal has been achieved? Well, remember, she was... Okay, so this is important. Because at the very beginning, when we see the, the sun drop drop and the flower grow from it, she is there. She's waiting for it. And according to Flynn Rider, that is centuries ago. So that means that she really needed that baby. Because like we said, she it can't be like more than a week until she's... Oh, maybe she was like at the limit. Right. All right. That's, you know what? That's fair. But she fucks up. <laughs> she has a little grass basket that she puts over this flower. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. Okay. They... They take the flower. She she knocks over her basket. Uh, we've been talking about Gothel for a little while now. <laughs> she knocks over her basket. The guards find the flower. These royal it, gardeners. They make it into a soup. They give it to the queen. Now, here's the thing. These royal gardeners doing the Lord's work. If you can move the flower, why didn't she move the flower? 
My guess, the way that she treats, um, the way that she, like, fears losing Rapunzel later is I think she really didn't want to kill the flower that could keep her alive forever. You know, I guess that's fair. It's just, it's one of those things where I feel like at some point you gotta, you gotta take the risk. Well, and the guards were like, uh, we don't know how to get magic out of this except to cook it and give it to somebody, so that's what we're doing. We're just gonna mash it up and make a little tortilla out of it. There you go, eat up. So yeah, the queen eats the flower, she gets healthy, the baby gets born with a full head of blonde hair. And the king, wisdom to his name, holds himself back. Let's not cut off her head yet. Maybe she didn't cheat on me. (laughs) Maybe it was the magic flower. He stands there staring at the kid like, did I have a grandmother with blonde hair? Is there a recessive gene somewhere in here? Trying to figure it out. Do you think that, like, a royal vizier was like, it it was the magic flower, dude? (laughs) Right! The magic flower. The one that saved my dying wife. The glowing, the the yellow glowing magic flower that glowed the same color as my child's glowing yellow hair. Cool. All right. Let's give the executioner the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think the executioner is salaried? I, I think the executioner so. in this kingdom gets a lot of work, according to a scene in a later movie. Those those cells are fucking chock full. We'll talk about this later. I hate Law and Order in Corona. It, it is buck wild and terrible. Let's crack open a nice cold bottle of Corona and talk about it. So I do hate that it's called Corona. I it's obvious why, but they should have gone with maybe a different spelling, something. Uh, maybe the Kingdom of Aurora. Uh, Aurora is already a princess name, though. Right. It's gotta be something. Anyway, uh, like, like we said, Gothel kidnaps the baby. She tries she to cut her hair. steals a baby! Well, first she tries to, first, all she really wants is the flower. She thinks she can get the ha- get it out of the hair, and it doesn't work. If the hair is cut, the magic goes away. So, and so I, this, this is where I'm thinking, okay, so stealing the baby was like a last minute, oh, fuck. Right. She was like, this is just going to be five minutes. I'm going to go back to my own daughter and everything will be great. But now she's like, now I need a different daughter. You think maybe she could have done a baby swap? If she had planned ahead, yeah. You that would have been what? a wild move. Sorry, Frozen two- Frozen would have been a better movie if there was a baby swap. I don't know how that would work, but like, I feel like we need a Disney princess movie that has a baby swap in there. I need a baby swap in one of these movies. A classic... Uh, the prince and the pauper, right? The princess and the pauper? Rapunzel, that's definitely a Barbie movie. So Rapunzel <laughs> grows up watching the uh, lanterns that her parents and her country send out in mourning on her birthday because of the lost princess. Every year on her birthday, th- this cool-ass Milky Way of lanterns happens, and she's like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, it's rad. Uh... So, Rapunzel is an adult now. She has a big day of doing just about everything you can possibly think of to waste time. And I think by the end of it, it's like eight. Uh, uh, because I, call, I almost called him Eugene, but I want to call him Flynn for the first half of the movie. Because Flynn mentions that it's a big day and it's only eight o'clock. Yes. And that's when Gothel gets home. So, Rapunzel has a good song, but I don't know if there's anything really to say about this scene, other than it happens. This this opening one where it's just her and Pascal. I, I do think that this... Pascal's a chameleon. Pascal is a 
A chameleon that acts a lot like a dog. Well, and a person, kind of. Yeah, well, the, one other way this is a kind of a classic Disney movie is we got the animal companion in there. Does mm-hmm. not talk, but might as well. He doesn't talk, but there is a moment d- during the interrogation of Flynn Rider. The, uh, wait, sorry. The, the interrogation of Flynn Rider. Right? <laughs> uh, where she pulls him aside and, like, has a conversation with him. Yeah, good cop to bad cop. Right. So, like, he doesn't talk, but to Rapunzel, it seems like he may as well. Well, I, I do think that this intro song is a little bit important because it is it is an introduction song, right? Like, in The Little Mermaid had the had kind of an introduction song where they were singing about the princesses and shit. Sure, or, like, Circle of Life or something. Yeah, or uh, Beauty and the Beast had the town song. I think this introduction song is masquerading as a very, very subtle I want song. Right. Because... Because the entire song is her routine. And as the song goes on, it kind of tells you without saying it that she's tired of it. So here's a weird opinion I have about this movie that I think makes it not... That I think is the reason why maybe you like it more than I do, even though I also quite like this movie. Mm -hmm. I think the songs work very well with the animation. To the point where I think if you just listen to the songs, it loses something. Yeah. So, like, I think as a musical, this movie isn't that great. But, like, when she talks about how she's painting the walls and you can see that every part of the wall is painted and there's nothing else she can put up there, stuff like that's really good. But I also think that that, that it adds to the strength of it as a movie. Like, it's a musical, but it's also a movie. No, you're right. You're right. I I think that the combination of music and visuals to make good storytelling is the strongest part of this movie. And, and and also, I do think the songs are still very good. There's one song in particular in this movie that, like, I, I it feels like, uh, it feels like uh, Alan Menken is, like, channeling the spirit of Howard Ashman. It feels very classic for a Disney princess movie. I do want to point out that apparently uh, Rapunzel's hair is 70 feet long, uh, yeah. assuming that she is 18 years old. That means her hair is growing almost four feet a year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which it's is... Eight times, eight times the human hair growth rate. Yeah, well, it's it's magic. It grows, which, it grows when she sings. Which yeah. this website just told me when I typed in 70 <laughs> feet divided by 18 years as if they knew why I was doing it. Like, Oh, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're... you're the just... Rapunzel question. So this is actually something I kind of wanted to get into. Is her hair. Yeah, we don't need to spend too much time on it. But, like, besides the healing qualities of it, Mm -hmm. her hair seems to grow very rapidly. And while you can cut it, it seems uh, very difficult to break. Yes, it's resilient. Because if you dangled a human person off of your head, you would at least get a few hairs off of there. But she doesn't seem to be like, you know when you comb your head and you just lose some, right? Yeah. That doesn't seem to happen to Rapunzel. No, she brushes the shit out of that hair, too. Here's something that I want to talk about in, now that we're talking about the hair, which is mm-hmm. this hair was hand animated. And, and the reason that this is important is because, A, they had to control 150,000 individual hairs, <laughs> which is fucking wild as a number. But here's the thing is they were going to simulate it. They were going to simulate it, and they decided to hand animate it as a mass because... Glenn Keane said, no, we need to treat this as a character unto its own in order to have it move in a way that feels 
realistic. And, and this is it where I think this movie has an advantage over a movie like Frozen. Frozen had amazing snow physics, but it was all simulated. Well, they could have artistically used the snow in a way in a way that they could have in like 101 Dalmatians, right? That scene where they're going through the snow and it's kind of building up in this really cool way. They don't do that in Frozen because it's all simulated snow because they wanted it to look as realistic as possible. This hair, they wanted it to look realistic, but they did but they also wanted it to move in a way that was fluid and manageable as a character. And and this is where like this movie is bridging the gap between traditional 2D animation and 3D animation in a way that isn't done after this movie. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I remember that being my problem with Moana. Moana is a movie that I think looks very good, but they yes. don't play with it the way that uh, that you can play with 2D animation or the way that Tangled gets played with. They do in one particular song, which is the tattoos on... Uh... Rock Dwayne the Johnson. Is that not just 2D animation? Yes, and just that's jump into we're... 2D animation. Well, let's see, that's my issue. Is that they have that one scene where they're like, "Look what we could have done." Look at this movie could have all looked like this. Wouldn't have that been great? I don't think 3D animation is bad, but I do think it's just it. You, you, we got to get more into the Spider Verse 3D animation where they're pushing that shit. God, that that movie is gorgeous. Okay. Um, but I also will say, right, Glenn Keane can talk about this shit because Glenn Keane animated the hair for Ariel, underwater, floating, for Pocahontas, in the wind, underwater, for Beast, who's all fur, for Tarzan, who had all the dreadlocks. Like, this motherfucker has the right to talk about animating hair. So he did. And they did do a lot with this hair. Yeah, the, the hair is like a major, it's the major plot point of the movie, so I'm glad that they gave it its due diligence. That paper mache mask that she made <laughs> is a is a creepy pasta. Oh, <laughs> uh, Pascal does not like it. He lost years of his life, uh, of his long uh, reptilian life. So, my boy, my handsome son, Flynn Rider. You know, Flynn Rider is kind of the Disney character that I most identify with. Same. Besides maybe Simba. Same. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason is, Flynn Rider reacts exactly how I would react to suddenly being in a Disney movie. He like, he's like walking around like, the world doesn't work like this. And then the world starts to work like that. And he's like, what the hell? Uh, I, I, I want to emphasize that I haven't seen this movie in like nine years, but there is a moment in this movie where I made a joke that I wrote down <laughs> and I was really proud of. And then he made it two, <laughs> se- made two it. scenes later. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I thought I was so clever. So Flynn Ryder, along with the Stabbington brothers are climbing all over the castle. They are all very good at this acrobatics the the acrobatic part of thievery Mm -hmm. the stabbington brothers by the way ron perlman hellboy himself one of the ugliest men in hollywood he also played (laughs) beast uh in a live action beauty and the beast show in the 80s and 90s um he's a genuinely nice guy if you follow him on twitter he's like awesome he's constantly shitting on people Flynn's introduction here reminds me a little bit of, like, Han Solo's introduction, in that we get a lot of uh, characterization very quickly, and all the characterization is like, this is a guy you like, but he's also kind of a dick. Here's the thing about Flynn Rider, is that he sucks, and he has problems, but, come on. He's the best, though! Look at that! And here's the thing is, I think in 2010, 
there is a much different reaction to guy stealing a crown at, than today because <laughs> because less than a month ago, one of the biggest jewelry heists in history happened, and I was head over heels that it happened in my lifetime. I was like, awesome. I wasn't alive for the last one. Yep. He steals a crown. Actually, this is huge. He's lowered down like in um, Mission Impossible. He steals the crown. One of the guards sneezes and he, it's not even that he says like, Gesundheit or anything. Which would have been, which would have been the go-to joke, I think, in any other movie. Right. He's like, oh, hey, fever. He 100% blows it. And he definitely did that on purpose because he likes, like, the adventure he, and the chase. He Well, that's the thing, right? Flynn Rider, I think, is, like Han Solo, more complex than the movie lets on because this is his best life, is the thrill of being an adventurer. That's interesting because he, like, claims his dream is to just have enough money to go buy an island and then do nothing. And I think he'd be miserable there. I, I do think, right, like, that's, there is a version of this where he gets, at the end, he gets to have his island. He has all of this wealth and glamour around him, right? And two days later, he's gone. Right. And he's a vagabond again. He's wearing his poor man's clothes. And he's like, nah, man, I fucking love stealing shit, though. He is very much just Robin Hood. But instead of stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, he steals from the rich and gives, I wouldn't even say to himself, because he kind of, Fails he, he kind of he kind of does not keep anything he steals this entire movie, which is in itself kind of fascinating. I think he likes to steal. I think he likes to steal because then he gets to tell stories about what a good thief he is. Yeah, and that and you know the stories always endeth with with so what happened to the treasure? Oh, you know, well, uh, oh, funny thing about that, princess beat me up and stole it. A horse ate it. <laughs> I met my wife. Um, <laughs> we have an interlude between this kind of chase sequence out of the castle with Mother Gothel's villain song. Mother Gothel is kind of perfect. I remember the first time I watched this movie. I was like, I am going to hate Mother Gothel because I don't believe that somebody could raise a kid for 18 years and still be like, oh, I'm a supervillain, right? Yeah. And I watched it and I was like, I know this person. And her demeanor goes from, like, adoring to abusing, like, that, like, so quick. Where she, like, uh, the, one of the first things she does is Rapunzel pulls her up from the bottom of the tower with her hair. And she says, oh, I can't believe you do that every day. And Rapunzel says, oh, it's nothing. She's like, then why did it take so long? Yes. And it's like, whoa! That's not just, like, one joke that didn't land. This is what she does all the time, is, like, constantly belittle her daughter. It is, it's frustrating. It, it's one of those things where it's done so well that there are some people who I have cautioned upon watching this movie. Because I, because I know people whose parents mm -hmm. are like this, or who were in a relationship that was toxic and emotionally abusive in this way and a warning is needed because i do love this movie but it, it needs to be talked about that the reason mother gothel is such a great villain is that everyone i think everyone has met a parent or a or or a person dating someone who acts this way and it sucks but the movie does it so fucking well like her song mother knows best is like gaslighting the song <laughs> yes Whew, it's just like it's a, and it's also just a good song and the the visuals that go with it are great this is, the villains I want song has to be it shows like it, it, in you know classic Disney fashion 
shows that what the villain wants is the opposite of what the hero wants, right? Simba right. wants to be king, Scar wants to be king. And and in this, like, Rapunzel wants to see the world, and Mother Gothel wants to keep her isolated. And it shows in Rapunzel's song, through the visuals, all the paintings that she does are all the things that she wants to see. But when Mother Gothel starts singing, the first thing she does is turn off all the light so that she can't see that stuff, so that she can only see Mother Gothel. That's fucking good visual storytelling. It's, it's very good. So, Flynn Rider. Oh, also, I just wanted to mention, you don't get much more condescending than gaslighting somebody into thinking lanterns are stars. <laughs> I forgot about this. I, I get that she's trying to, like, dissuade Rapunzel, but, like, those aren't stars? And it's like, she's really, does she think she's dumb? Well, like, or, like, or, like, or this does she girl... hope she'll just drop it if she says it enough times? Here's some, actually, now that you mention this, because Rapunzel pulls out like a star chart and she's like, I've tracked the positions of all the stars. And right. here's the thing. I'm assuming that Mother Gothel didn't give Rapunzel like advanced mathematics and astronomy books to do this, <laughs> which meant that Rapunzel just casually at some point in her life, like redid 500 years of historical physics. God, I want to know what her three books are now. I'm sure, I'm sure we could find them. I bet one of them is just a coloring book that's already colored in botany geology and cooking so none of those none of those are physics who it'd be hard it'd be very hard it's it's definitely not impossible because you know like there are stories of very famous mathematicians just casually inventing all of mathematics because they had to learn it before they got to it so you mm. know it's possible but again like this is a very intelligent woman you can't just say that shit but yeah, it's it's clearly it's clearly just another un, it's an intimidation tactic. It's we're not talking about this. So Fl Flynn Rider in now here's the thing, guys. If you're doing a heist, if you're doing a heist, you have one of two options: split the loot evenly or kill everyone else. There is no in between. You either are Joker or you're George Clooney. Because if you don't kill them and you don't give them the money, they're going to kill you. I know that you're jumping ahead to the moment where Eugene betrays them, but I I want to mention the moment where we're voice where it's first pointed out that nobody can get Eugene's nose right. Oh, that's right. This is like two scenes before this, but we can talk about it now. We can talk about it a lot of it's times. Just, in it's just it's not anything big. I just like that he's looking at it and they're like, it doesn't matter, and he says, "That's easy for you guys to say. You look amazing. They they nailed it with you guys. Yeah, I do think it's a great bit." And I love the the way that they reveal the nose. Like at when they at, now that they've set up the bit, the way that they reveal the noses later is really good. So Flynn betrays them with some just good pickpocket techniques. Yeah, he pickpockets a whole fucking satchel, which is impressive. Yep. Maybe he believes that the kingdom will kill them, which they might do. Although that seems pretty dark. Oh well, I mean, I get they they never got back to the kingdom though. Is the thing. Yeah, but the guards are right on right on their tails, or it seemed like it. Finn, in doing this, Finn. Flynn. Okay. Uh, Flynn. That that that's a little faux pas on my my part. Flynn decides to betray the first order. No, wait. <laughs> Crisscross my wires again. So Flynn betrays them, right? But he still hasn't gotten away from the other. Right. Like the, yes. <laughs> the guards are still chasing him. You don't want to betray everybody while the guards are still on your tail that's not the time ideally you want to do it at the castle 
At the castle would be good, but in the hideout if you need to have a sudden, you know, like bloodbath situation. Well, you don't now from a from a, from the other side of this, which is a story oriented perspective. Flynn can't murder these guys. No, that's true. It's impossible. Um, he's he's got to be the lovable rogue, which does not mean killing his friends. I don't know. It's different. I think it's different when an animated character commits brutal murder versus when Han Solo just casually shoots Greedo. Everyone's like, yeah, sure. Who gives a shit? Greedo is going to kill him. That's different. Look, it's very simple. Prince Eric could kill Ursula because she was going to kill him. Yes. But Flynn cannot betray and then kill the Stabbingtons because then that's that's all his fault. Even though they are called the Stabbingtons, and I feel like that's a that's a bloodline you want to cut short, no pun intended. <laughs> like <laughs> assuming that their family was named after what they were good at, like the Smiths, you wanna you want the Stabbingtons to just stop being a family. Maybe marry into the Bakertons. <laughs> Flynn Rider chose his name. Maybe the Stabbingtons chose their name. No, I have to. Be- I want to believe that that's just their family name. They come from a long line of stabbers. Okay. Flynn does a very good job of losing the guards, all except for Maximus, Maximus the best cop in Corona, uh, and also the fucking craziest cop on the force. He, like, you want to talk about a, a loose cannon? You want to talk about a fucking lethal weapon? This horse that acts like a dog is probably the most <laughs> dangerous, the most dangerous adversary any of these characters will ever face. He's a psychopath, man. <laughs> Absolutely, like, cold-blooded hates crime. <laughs> to an almost, to an incredibly fallible extent. Yes, I mean, here's what Flynn has done. He has stolen a crown. And look, I know that you want to get that crown back. And I know it's the crown of the princess who was stolen as a baby. Look, it's a big deal. Certainly. Certainly. Sure. We get um, it. He does, in this scene, try very hard to kill Flynn Rider. He was going to kill Flynn Rider. When he all all he was doing was climbing out onto that branch to get the crown. And he was like stomping on where his hands were. This is, uh, this is kind of brutal. This, hor- this, this horse, this horse is, commits, like, multiple counts of attempted murder on Flynn. Yeah. Flynn does not have a weapon this whole time. No. Uh, I, and, but here's, here's a great part about this scene, though, right? Is this is how, the, this is how you do the Looney Tunes bit of running off the cliff, looking down, mm-hmm. realizing you're not standing on the ground and falling to your death, is, like, is them climbing out onto this tree, hearing the tree crack, looking back and going, ah, oh, fuck. And then having it fall. It's super fun. It's incredibly funny. This was uh, one of the first moments where I was like, oh my god, they just died. (laughs) (laughs) They're fucking dead. Because that's a horse. Max sort of chases Flynn into this, um, or I guess Flynn discovers this little cove while Max is looking for him. And, you know, there's this tower. There's a crazy horse chasing him, so he climbs into the tower. I will say that in this scene, uh, this scene is filmed the same way, like, like a Jason movie is filmed where a teenager is hiding in like a cupboard and Jason's fucking skulking around, but Jason is a horse. Um, the danger is the Whoa! same though. Wait, 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 wait. Really think about that movie though. <laughs> horse Just Jason. Ex- exactly a Jason movie. Uh, except so Jason's a horse. There. <laughs> oh man. 
Wait, wait. So I'm just going to assume the movie's called Horse Jason. Uh, Horse Jason. No, uh, I think it'll be called Jason. But a horse. But there's just like a horse on the cover instead of Jason. <laughs> Friday the 13th. All right, all right. It's like Friday the 13th part, I don't know, 12 or 13 or whatever the fuck they're yeah. Friday, Yeah, Friday the 13th part 20. This summer, hay is for murder. Okay. I instead can of for horses, that. you know? Right. Anyway, Flynn gets a concussion. Flynn gets (laughs) fucking murdered. (laughs) Here's the thing is, he died. Even if he didn't die now. He would have died one of the other. He certainly died in a moment. Three times, I think. So Rapunzel beats him over the head with a cast iron skillet. How does it feel to have taken your first life, Rapunzel? Uh, she checks him for fangs and all the stuff that, that her mom warned about. He starts moving, so she beats him again, stuffs him into a wardrobe in the, like, brutalist scene. <laughs> this, so here's the thing, if being hit over the head with a cast iron skillet twice isn't going to do it, this fucking wardrobe malfunction would have because she hits his head, like, 50 times trying to get she him hits in there. his head and his face i have two broken teeth in my face from when i landed on the ground hey you can't just have your face land on the ground like that you know it's a good way to mess with his nose forever she at one i think at the end when she finally gets him in there like four of his fingers are sticking yeah. out of the door and she just pushes them in one by one yeah then mother gothel gets back and shuts down rapunzel's you know whole deal yeah. It's like, no, you, you're never going outside. And then she says, great, now I'm the bad guy. Which is good because every, sort of every, everything that happens in the last ten minutes of the movie is set up in the first five minutes of the movie. Like, everything is a Chekhov's gun. Yes. Even her saying, okay, well, this is the point where I'm gonna actually be the bad guy. Instead of just, like, passive-aggressively making Rapunzel afraid of everything except her. I, I did write earlier, so before we get to that, right, is, like, there's a mm-hmm. scene where Rapunzel is, like, trying on the crown. Right, yes. This, like, again, like, this in, in the business, fucking Chekhov's gun, this is foreshadowing. And I do think that, that the line, ugh, great, now I'm the bad guy, is one, a thing that people, actual, like, abusers say, right? Well, although, to be fair, I think that's something that non-abusive parents also say. Yes. But yes, you're right. But but also, I think, like, it's an amazing fourth wall breaking thing where it's like, it's a way of telling maybe younger people in the audience. This is the bad guy. Oh, this is the bad guy. Because I think until now, like, the Stabbington's clearly bad guys. But, like, this is the movie way of being like, all right, listen, this person is a bad guy too. Uh, and they, as the movie goes on, they really start pushing that home. Here's another great example of fucking visual storytelling. Any other movie would have just had, like a like, a super big fight scene where... One character's like, you're never going outside. And the other character's like, but I want to go outside. And they go, well, you, well, then don't. And they leave. And the other character's like, but like sitting in the corner by themselves. And they're like, I'm going to go outside. I don't care what they say. Right. In this, we have this. I wouldn't even call it an argument because it's not an argument. It's a frankly heartbreaking assertiveness from Mother Gothel. It's not going to happen. As the scene is going on, um, what Rapunzel wants to tell Mother Gothel is, I beat the shit out of a dude. I committed murder. I can protect myself. I can take care of myself. I utterly annihilated a man. (laughs) We see her reach towards the wardrobe 
And then as the conversation goes on, let go. And she even, at the very end of the conversation, she stands in front of it, and she has so much hair that it really blocks the entirety of the wardrobe. Yeah. And without saying a word, without doing a thing, we have seen her make her choice. And that is amazing. That's really good. Because we as an audience know the choice that she's made, even if it hasn't officially happened yet. And we know it's a res- it's a direct result of Mother Gothel's shittiness. And then after this, we get to the the interrogation of Flynn Rider. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we have gone over a little bit. Basically, after we get past the like, why is Flynn here stuff, we get mm-hmm. to um, what she wants out of him is she wants Flynn to take her to the um, to the lanterns to see the lanterns. And Flynn is not up for this, but. <laughs> But despite all of his best efforts, he could not win over Rapunzel to his side. She does knock him unconscious again. Oh, right. The, the, um, I've hidden the bag somewhere where you'll never find it. That's a fucking good bit. So this is the third time that his, he's just been utterly destroyed by this woman. Yes. Uh, definitely died. Um, the smolder happens the here. Smolder, well. The smolder. I was kind of surprised. I feel like the smolder is such a big thing. It's only mentioned once. I will say, we might as well talk about this now, Flynn Rider is, I guess he's not an, a Disney prince because he's not a prince. Has to be the hottest uh, love interest. Did you know that there was a, um... Yes. I, yes, I was going to okay, talk about this. Maybe you were the one that told me about this. I, I think I have, but yes, the, uh, uh, what was it called? The, like, Perfect Man Project the, or something? They called it the Hot Man Meeting. Okay. Brian Howard, who was one of the directors, wanted, like, had the goal of, like, we want to make the most attractive male lead Disney will ever have. So they invited, I think, 30 women in uh, in Walt Disney Studios to come into a room, collected photos of all of their favorite, and I'm quoting him, collected, we gathered pictures of their favorite handsome men, collected <laughs> pictures from the internet, from books, from women's wallets. They were very specific about what they liked and what they didn't like. Co-director Nathan Greeno adds, the woman would come in and they'd put up these pictures of the hottest guys they'd ever seen, then point out all the flaws in them. (laughs) Everybody got ripped apart. Nobody was perfect. It was a very hard meeting to be in as a man. You've left feeling terrible. At some points during the meeting, they even pointed to us as examples of what not to be. Oh, man. We created the ultimate man. (laughs) And at this point in his life, Zachary Levi is known for playing nerds. I do not envy him walking into this project. And on top of that, he had to learn how to sing for the role. But man, I think they nailed it, though. I do think Flynn Rider is the hottest Disney love interest. Like, he is yards leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else in terms of like not just physical looks but just as a character he is one of my favorite characters i don't know about physical looks uh like i said before i think i brought up prince eric like twice already yes prince Prince eric is hot right yes uh yes (laughs) in a way that like i'm trying to remember other love interests from the time and they're not or like male love interests actually do you know who's not hot is prince adam the beast retransformed. He's like the most boring looking dude. Well, it's kind of hard, right? Because you spend the whole movie falling in love with this big ass furry. Uh, <laughs> that when he turns into a dude, your reaction isn't, 
oh, this is the animal I fell in love with. It's who's the fuck is this guy? Who's this fool? Yeah, exactly. So it's the, it, that that's a different discussion. But I yes. think Prince Charming is often quoted as the most boring looking one. Uh, well, he's only in the movie for three minutes. It's not his <laughs> fault. He only had his. He only had like three lines. Yeah. Does he even have three lines? That might be too many. Well, he has three verses in a song. Then let's say. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, he's in Once Upon a Dream. Not Once Upon a Dream. Um, Wishing Well. I don't know, dude. What are, what are, what are the songs in the in the first ever Disney movie? It's not important. Did you say the first ever Disney movie? Snow White happened. Oh, uh, that's not the Prince Charming you're referring to? You're referring to... I'm referring to Cinderella. Oh, Charming. Oh, fuck that, dude. He looks like a Ken doll. Yeah, right? He's just completely <laughs> like a fucking washboard of a man. Yeah, uh, yeah, he looks bad. You could fucking hang like a towel to dry on that dude and not give a second thought to him. So, where were we in this movie? Uh, I think they were about to leave. Here we get a continuation of the... of This is the reprise of the song from the beginning of the movie, which is... When Will My Life Begin? And the scene after this is kind of amazing. R- Rapunzel's mood swings. Yeah. Where she is one moment, oh my god, this will kill my mother, and another moment, this is the most, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then Flynn goes, you seem really at war with yourself. <laughs> Which I loved. It's it's a good line. I think at this point I wrote, I just remembered the ending and I'm gonna cry. So that's in my notes here. Cool. There's some, there is some good as shit framing with this dumb horse coming back. Okay, so Max comes back and blows it for everybody because I don't know if we mentioned this. We didn't mention this. We did Rapunzel not. Rapunzel got her mom to leave for three days by, I said her mom, got Mother Gothel to leave for three days. She never calls her mom. They're not on that level of, you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, she gets her to leave for three days by asking for, for her birthday, these paints that are really hard to get. Okay. Yeah. She is gone for like maybe an hour. <laughs> Not even a day, yeah, and she runs into this fucking horse. Before she runs into a horse and, like, immediately believes the worst that the rider of that horse has discovered Rapunzel. It's kind of an amazing scene, though, because, like, you see the the prot, like, the gears in her head turning, like, what the fuck is this horse doing here? Oh, it's a royal horse. Where's the rider? And they are, like, this, like, again, she's only been gone, like, an hour, so they're very close to the tower. Like I said, Max kind of blew it for everybody. He doesn't know, but, like... Kind of ruined this movie for people who just wanted a nice, chill, romantic movie. <laughs> now there's got to be stuff happening. I can't believe we have to have tension in this movie. Ridiculous. Uh, how dare they? So she goes and, and finds out that Rapunzel's not in the tower anymore. Meanwhile, Flynn has learned of Rapunzel's fear of ruffians and scoundrels. <laughs> and so he's decided to take her to a hive of scum and villainy. A hive called the Snuggly Duckling. <laughs> <laughs> and you know we learn a lot about these characters a, a few of these characters in the song right yes but there's some of these characters we don't learn about like rat guy what's his story there's a guy with like 20 rats on his shoulder and like what's his deal and accordion guy we never yes, learn why he I... was chained to the wall with an accordion Here's the thing, right, is the minstrel is chained up to the wall with an accordion, and he's this super small dude. And I think mm-hmm. the mo- the movie's framing it as like, oh, he's been trapped by these ruffians and scoundrels to play their music, right? But they're all super sweet dudes. So I have to believe that the moment that ball chain is off, this guy's committing Jack the Ripper level murder. It's, well, here's the thing. Most of them, I think, at their core are super sweet dudes. Okay. Yeah. Hook hand? 
He definitely killed a man. He did kill. He did admit to committing murder. He confessed. He, d- he did. He did straight up kill a man, and he was the one who threw the axe at that guy's head. I think, despite the fact that Hookhand has a dream and helps Rapunzel and Flynn escape, you gotta watch out for him. No, that man is I, crazy. I, I think. Maybe he was a man of circumstance, right? Like, maybe he was put... Like, I, I, we never know, right? I, I believe wholeheartedly in the reformation of criminals and convicts. And I think that this man is reformed, for the most hey, part. this is... This by is Rapunzel not a, this is, in this okay. song. This is not a conversation to have... I'm just really. saying... It's, it's, just not, <laughs> it's just not something... It's just not something to focus on. I just wanted to mention that in the next movie and in the series overall it is sort of revealed that corona you know corona has crazy harsh punishments right yes the only way that criminals are ever reformed is by becoming friends with Rapunzel. and you know what maybe that'll be fine once she's queen and like can actually reform prisons i do think i do think that maybe the parents are the problem here right like we need to have less harsh because pu- I feel like the punishment for the immediate punishment is just death. You stole a crown, death. And and do you know what I think it is? Their daughter was kidnapped, and maybe they're a lot heavy-handed on crime now. Once a baby is stolen out of the royal castle, like you got it, like they, there's no quarter given. But at the same time, maybe lighten up. <laughs> it's been it's been eighteen years. Get over it. <laughs> I know. I don't want to have to tell these people to get over their missing daughter, but... Man, they... it is a good thing you did not live in this town. You would have been executed so quickly. Oh my god. Well, maybe, like, maybe have another kid. Okay, like, here's the, this. Hey, maybe have another kid. Well, her mom did almost die that first I time. I do, I do guess that maybe the, the, maybe this was the mom's only... Only shot. See, here, historically, if you get a kid, you can't have any more kids, and that original kid is stolen... I think you just get another queen and try again. So this guy must really love her. Maybe adopt a kid, you know? Do a do a swan princess. Just just find a dead farmer's daughter. I mean, that wouldn't be terrible. Do they have an heir named? We don't know. We don't. Well, and here's the thing, though: is it's been almost eighteen years, a little less. Anyway, 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 anyway. They sing a song about having a dream. I got a dream. One of the. I think it's everyone's favorite song in this movie. It's not mine, but it's a good song. Yeah, but it's like the big ensemble song. Oh, a murder totally happened in this bar not too long ago because they painted a line around his body. Yeah, no, I know. I, that's what I was referring to. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's I just I just saw my note about that. So yeah, this murder must have happened fairly recently. Yeah, the hook-handed guy goes, uh, when he talks about being violent, he literally points at it like, yep, this is what happens. Now, before this big song sequence happens, they do, so they notice that Flynn, that they find out he's the dude on these wanted posters. So the song starts because Rapunzel's like, didn't, didn't all of you have a dream? And the song starts. And right, right. before all this happens, they did send a dude to get the guards. Right. Because they wanted all the, uh, the they wanted the reward for Flynn Rider. Yes. Um, but their hearts are changed through the song they sing with Rapunzel. And even a little bit through just the fact that Flynn has a dream, even if it's terrible. <laughs> Go, follow your dream. Thanks. Not you. Your dream sucks. Uh, that hook-handed man, by the way, that's Brad Garrett. Is it? Yes, it is. I spent the whole movie racking my brains trying to figure out who he was because he sounded so familiar here's a here's another one though uh the short mm-hmm. thug the one with the beard who flirts with mother gothel in a bit shorty 
Paul F. Tompkins. And two thugs in this bar are also voiced by the directors. And I think one of the thugs is voiced by Jeffrey Tambor. A lot of good voice acting. But yeah, that was Brad Garrett. The guy you get when, uh, what's his name? Kronk? Oh, 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 oh. Um, damn it. Fuck. Piss shit. (laughs) Patrick. Warburton. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, Brad Garrett, the guy you get when Patrick Warburton is busy, which is mean, but I do think also a little bit true. You think Patrick Warburton's intern just has like a, like a referral line? Like, oh, sorry, Patrick's busy, but here, let me refer you to Brad. No, but maybe they use the same agent. Although Brad Garrett's (laughs) agent makes him answer his own phone. (laughs) I'm being really mean right now, and I don't mean to be. He's an amazing voice actor. He just doesn't, he isn't in much these days. Brad Garrett is not going to listen to this and get mad at you. So, probably. Yeah, but I still feel bad. Maybe I'll make this a clip and I'll, I'll like, tag him on Twitter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they get out of, out of there through a secret tunnel. I kind of wonder what that's used for. Smuggling. Well, but is it, like, is it an escape tunnel for, because they're all criminals and sometimes they need to book it? Or is it used, yeah, for, like, getting rum in? And if so, like, do, is there an alcohol thing in Corona? What's the what's the deal? It doesn't matter. Is there an alcohol thing in Corona? I mean, is there, um, what do you call it? Prohibition. Yeah, is there, like, a prohibition thing? Whatever. It's not important. Maybe there used to be? There is a discussion in this tunnel, in this secret tunnel, mm. uh, where Rapunzel gives a little bit of a hair tuck, which is code for time to flirt in the secret tunnel. And then the craziest thing happens. You mean when Max walks in walks in and finds the secret tunnel or when the Stabbingtons just like kick the shit out of a guard? I mean, both of those are crazy, yes, but let's, let, let's keep going because we're going to get to the real crazy thing in a bit. So they're being chased through the secret tunnel by the guards. They get out to the other side and oh no, there's a cliff and like a dam is being built, I guess. Kind of a bad place to build a secret tunnel. Well, maybe the tunnel was already there. Hmm. Maybe it used to go under the river, and now there's a dam. And they might, I guess they mined it out. Yeah, I, I, I would love to sort of know the background of this dam, because it doesn't seem... Permanent. ...finished. Right. It seems like it should be better maintained, because, spoiler, <laughs> they uh, break this fucking dam. Oh, they break the shit out of this dam. But before that happens, we get the craziest thing that happens in this movie, which is a horse wielding a sword. I mean, just before that, Flynn does beat the crap out of a bunch of guards with the frying pan, and it's awesome. It is awesome. Like, And then Flynn see- has the exact same reaction to a horse wielding a sword as, again, I think I would. I definitely would. Which, <laughs> which is, is like, this is the craziest day of my life. <laughs> Here's the thing about horses, is if you've ever been around a horse, uh, nice creatures, generally very calm. Mm-hmm. But when a horse gets pissed... It's scary as fuck. You're talking about like around a ton of muscle, almost Mm -hmm. pure muscle, pushing around. You get away from that shit. So if a horse came at me under normal circumstances, I'd be booking it. I'd be fucking out of there. There'd be a an Andy-shaped cloud where I was. If he was wielding a sword, I'd just accept my fate. But not Flynn, though. He's made of sterner stuff. He never says die. He does lose the frying pan. He does lose the frying pan. But Rapunzel saves them with her magic hair, and then they get trapped because the dam breaks. They have a li- we have a little bit of a Prometheus situation here. Everyone, the guards and the Stabbingtons are washed away by the dam water, but they're trapped in an underground cave, and they can't escape because they're, they can't see. Uh, side note, 
from this point on, I will be referring in my notes to Flynn Rider as, as Eugene Turpert. How I refer, I refer to him as Flynn anyway. In my head, I will also refer to him as just Eugene because Eugene Fitzherbert is so long to write and Flynn is very short. And I'm typing these out in real time uh, on my phone. I've gotten used to thinking of him as Eugene. No, for sure. He's definitely a Eugene once you learn that his name is Eugene. I made the effort to keep writing Flynn in the first half of the movie and I was like, God, I get to finally stop. <laughs> so, so you had the opposite effect i do think eugene is a little too long and just the way that phone keyboards work made it really hard to type out notes but flynn uh flynn gets to feel a little bit what it's like to be cared about because while they're drowning rapunzel feels bad not because she's about to die but because she dragged finn into it to me this is a key turning point in the film because this is when eugene a admits that that's his name but b the relationship changes after this point yeah, absolutely. It's like when uh it's like when Bell saves the beast. Yes. You know, this is this is no longer uh two people who have basically kidnapped each other. This is instead an adventure. This is now a proper adventure. Earlier Flynn said uh they would they were now unlikely friends. And now it feels like they're actually unlikely friends, you know. Um he cuts his hand trying to get them out in a gnarly cut. She, but then she remembers that she makes her hair glow, so she does it. Here's the thing. I would not have thought of this solution to make her hair glow so they could see underwater because it seems like such a mundane thing. It, it's sort of like how you don't turn on the TV so that you can see a room. Yeah. Because it's not the point of the TV. I mean, you say that, but I do do that often. But that's why, I don't know, it felt like kind of a more clever solution then maybe it actually is because it's it i feel like on one hand it should be obvious she has this glowing hair and on the other hand it's not obvious because it's not glowing is not the thing it does it does a lot of cool stuff glowing is like a byproduct of right. the things it does but it does do that and i do like that i hear i like that rapunzel's the one who figures this out and mm. uses it and does it and saves them because, like, like this whole movie is about Rapunzel learning to be independent. That's her arc, is, like, like learning to believe in herself and making her own decisions. And this is where I got my joke in, because uh, Eugene is freaking out <laughs> over all of this. <laughs> like, it's one thing to meet a woman with 70 feet of hair, but for all of it to glow is, I think, a bit much to process. But she starts wrapping her hair around his hand, and he and he's like, "What are you doing? What's gonna happen?" And I'm sitting here thinking, Flynn, you idiot, you dumb piece of shit. She's gonna make your hand glow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you know. It does. <laughs> um, which is a joke he makes later. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. <laughs> uh, so I have important head cannon for this moment. Yes. Okay. I believe, and this is the only way that I can accept the things that happen in this movie. Yes. I believe that fixing Eugene's hand fixed his many head injuries. Because <laughs> that's the only way, like, he's surviving after a full night's sleep. Maybe the first time she beat the shit out of him with a pan, she just did, like, a light wrapping and just healed it. <laughs> We don't see that though. No, no. I'll, of course we wouldn't. But you know, it's. It, I'm. I'm gonna assume that that's what happened. Is and I think he just. Uh, luckily, because he cut his hand, he won't be suffering from like chronic uh, traumatic encephalitis later in life. Gothel shows up. This scene sucks in a very well written way. 
Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, no, I get it. Th- this is where we see like the full extent of like her manipulativeness. Uh, so this is also, uh, or some of this is also a reprise of uh, Mother Knows Best. Yes. Where, among other things, she does call Rapunzel demented for thinking somebody could like her. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Let's see, she, um, she gives Rapunzel the... Earlier in the film, Mother Gothel had gone to where the secret tunnel should have led and found the Stabbington brothers. And she kind of enrolled them into this scheme at this point. Yes, and she has the uh, she has the crown, which she gives back to Rapunzel and tells her to give it to Eugene and see how fast he leaves. So it's a good undermining of uh, basically everything that's happened up till now. Yes. And the reason she's doing this is to eventually manipulate Rapunzel into coming back. She doesn't want it now. She wants to place this seed of doubt. Well, and that's that's the key, right? Is she can't outright say Eugene is a bad person. She can't outright say that uh, all of this will end in failure. She has to prove it. Mm-hmm. And before she can do that, she has to fracture this relationship. The relationship uh, that so far has been built ex- uh, very much on, on trust. Introducing this element of doubt not only paints Flynn in a bad light, but also had the possibility, the movie doesn't do this, but had the possibility of Rapunzel lying to Flynn about it. But it all does premise a little bit on Flynn being a not a good person. Right, because I think there's still that doubt in in the viewer's mind. If he does get what he wants, will he still leave now? Yes. It's such clever writing. Because it is, it's working on us as an audience too. We don't quite trust Flynn as much either. It's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic scene and a fantastic song reprisal as well. And then we get a truly terrifying sight, a wet horse. Yep. I mean, yep. It's a really bad way to wake up in the morning. And Eugene, he rolls with it for about two seconds until the horse starts dragging him away. Until the horse starts... I feel like also Loki beating the shit out of him. Like, he can't catch Mm -hmm. a break uh, on this road trip. Um, But Rapunzel shuts that down by doing a bunch of... um... She does the doe eyes, man. Yeah, but she also does, like, a lot of what you would do for a dog that you need to calm down. And then he starts acting like a dog at this point, too. Oh, here's... This movie's flawless. Okay. Horse tails do not wag that way. Ah, well, I mean, it's just to get, you know, that feeling No, but but a horse's tail is made up of individual hairs, so it can't all wag like one big mass. There's no... There's nothing under that hair. It's the only thing about this movie that really bothers oh, me. I forgot about I forgot that. The tail part's like way shorter than the the hair part. That's why yeah. it be cuz I've seen those in like braids. Yes. And you couldn't do that to a dog tail because there's a I mean, thing there. I mean, you could, but the dog wouldn't like it. You should you shouldn't though. Uh but here and uh, the other reason is because like horses will use their tails to like whip at flies and stuff and it hurts mm. like a motherfucker if they hit you with it. If the end of it catches you, it could even like cut you a little bit. It will definitely irritate your skin though. I've gotten some like nasty rashes from being whipped with the horse's tail. It's just one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, "Oh, come on guys, you could have just done two more seconds of research here. It's okay if your horse acts like a dog." But at least make the horse anatomy right. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Shrug. Yeah, so uh, Rapunzel wins this horse over real quick. This is, as as much other stuff is good about Rapunzel and her character, the thing she seems to be best at is making friends. Yes, that's her superpower. Yeah, is it's she can, like, these two are actively at each other's throats, and she convinces them to not be for the day. 
which will eventually turn into them seeming to genuinely like each other. Well, in a in a, in at least a bit of a um in a contentious uh, roommate yeah, kind contentious of way. Yeah, contentious way. Yes. <laughs> like we don't like each other but we live with each other kind of way. Well, it's it's more like it's more like they're like anime rivals, right? Where like you don't <laughs> the you don't like your rival, but you sure think about him a lot. <laughs> What you're saying is what Flynn needs to do is he needs to defeat this horse in combat so that they can become best friends. I'm thinking about that Kate Beaton comic. Oh, <laughs> he needs to sleep. You think Flynn sleeps with a picture of the horse under his pillow? Uh, no, but I think the horse might sleep with a picture of Flynn. Uh, with one of the posters. No, he eats them. For power. Very, yeah, to, to feed his rage. I get it. Yeah, that's, you're, uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> This montage of the Festival of Lights yes. has to be one of the best feeling parts of this movie. This is another bit where I really think that the animation and the music really come together to tell a, tell the story really well. Although there are no lyrics to this part of the music. but No. I, I, I do think the, the music carries a lot of weight to it. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of a big dance number in a musical, right? Right, except this dance number, it's cut between a bunch of other stuff that they did. It doesn't all, like, lead up to it. Because they're going around, and Flynn is genuinely giving Rapunzel the entire experience of being at one of these festivals. Mm-hmm. He's guiding her. He's like, in, in, some, in certain cases, literally, she's guiding him by the hand. But, you know, he's encouraging her to, like, like do this, do that. And on the other hand, huh, she's encouraging him to join her in having fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the stuff we see them doing, but there's like, a you know, lot. there's there's a dance and there's getting snacks and she, of course, gets her hair braided. So it's not always dragging behind her. She paints the, the symbol of the kingdom on the ground, like in like this painting thing that everyone's doing. Yes. But then there's like, there's even a scene where they're just like at a library. And like, yes, that's kind of fascinating to me. Like that that's one of their stops. I mean, it makes sense. She's only seen three books, right? Yeah. So, like, she would love that. You're telling me that this book labeled Astromini <laughs> did all the shit? God damn it. All that work. <laughs> and somebody already tracked the stars? It, a lot happens in this scene. It's a, it's a good chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. But but I, I didn't write any notes on it other than this movie just feels good. Like, this part of the movie is just, it's the dream. Yes, this is, <laughs> this is what she wanted. And... We're going to get to what, like, what the actual dream was actually about. But, like, this is it. She just, she gets to be out and she gets to be near all these other people. And she also does get to do stuff like show off her art and that she can dance, you know? And also, she and Eugene have, uh... They fall in love. Have a romantic moment. This is where that that shift happens, right? From people who don't trust each other to unlikely friends to more. And that would be like, I think at the very end where it all culminates because the dance scene is like a, um, oof, I can't remember the name for it because it's not an American thing. (laughs) This is like a type of dance. I've done it. Well, whatever. Kind of like a square dance, I guess. Yes. It's, uh, oh God, I should know what it's called because I've done this dance. Right. But it's not a square dance because square dance would be the American version. It's like a polka, but it's like a community polka. It's where... one of those dances where you trade partners. And uh, they only end up together at the end. And then there's that moment where you're like, okay, at this moment, they're in love. Yes. 
Uh, and then we get to them on the boat. Yes, they're on a boat, uh, and the Festival of Lights is finally happening. And there's a really good dialogue here where they're, where Rapunzel's kind of talking about her big worry, um, which is that, like, what happens next? Because I, I do think this is a thing that people have in their lives where it's like, you're working towards this big thing. Right, and once you get that thing... Often people find an emptiness because they never planned after it. I think this happens to a lot of people who graduate high school. Woof. And I get it. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, you don't worry about it. You you just have to find something else to work towards now. Mm-hmm. Like, the, there, there is an endless world out there for you to have dreams. Little ones or big ones. Like, once you've done it, that doesn't mean you have to stop. It doesn't mean that there isn't anything more to work towards. And it's nice. It's a nice little message to have. But that's that's what you... Yeah, that's basically what Eugene says. He says, if you... The great thing about having a dream is that now you get to go have another one. And I think it's interesting that this is coming from Eugene because, because he never achieves his dream because it changes. He changes tracks at this point and he realizes, like, I found a better dream to believe in. So the fact that he's the one who says it is interesting. So the Festival of Lights happens. Gorgeous scene. Like, holy shit. If you watch the end credits, this movie has like 500 lighting effects animators. Uh, uh, if you really think about it, I didn't think about it until just this moment. They're over water. So like, that's like a good fuck you to any lighting effects animator. Yeah, there's like speculative highlighting and mapping and scattering and just like five... Like literally five hundred thousand things that every that every single one of these five hundred thousand people has to worry about, and on top mm-hmm. of that, you have all of the hair, and it looks amazing. And the the song "I See the Light" whole oh. uh, is really a love song. It's it's the kind of song that I like, and that you have also said you liked. Oh yeah, no, I like it. I, I like it a lot. I like okay, so I really enjoy, and I don't know what it is. I really enjoy um duets where the people can't hear each other singing. Singing, yeah. Yeah. Um Cinderella notwithstanding. <laughs> so stupid at that movie. Why didn't he ask her name? Anyway. Um uh the sort of simpleness of the metaphor of singing a song that says, I see the light while they're literally watching a bunch of lights is great to me. Yes. And on top of that, again, what it is, is a love song because what they're really seeing is each, each other, other in a new light. It is one of those things where it starts off as Rapunzel's love song. And then when she locks eyes with Flynn, we get to hear his internal love song. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like we get the back and forth, which is really nice. And then they start singing out loud. And that's when my heart breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mostly because I remembered the ending of the movie. Um, but also just because it's such a fucking beautiful moment. Disney princess movies have a problem, I think, where sometimes they don't, they forget to show us people falling in love. That's a little fair. It happened, it has to happen within like half an hour, right? Because it's gotta be like after the main crux of the issue. It ha- but also because it happens at first sight or whatever the fuck, right? Like, right, often. And that's, I'm sure that's a thing that happens to people, but. But I would, I, I mean, to play devil's advocate a little, I would also say that the Disney Renaissance was kind of built on a bunch of movies that didn't have that. So, like, the first movie in the Disney Renaissance was um, Little Mermaid. Yes. Which has, like, there's one of my favorite songs about, like, starting to fall in love with somebody is Kiss the Girl. Which is, like, you don't know where this is going, really, but you, like, want to test it out. 
because you think you like her and she might like you, you know, stuff like that. I, I have a question, though. Yeah. How long does it take to kiss a person? A couple seconds, usually. If you were about to kiss somebody and you saw your friends slash the people who wanted to kill you. I feel like those are two very different groups of people for most people, but I get what um, you're the down. Sh- well, yes, sure. Fre- frenemies. We'll no. call them. <laughs> <laughs> Melagoth, uh, Melagoths in the French, uh, in the French, in the elven tongue. All I'm saying is, Eugene should have finished the kiss before going to see the stab. No, I, I like the restraint here. I understand the restraint. From a screenwriting perspective, I mean. I, okay, yes. From a screenwriting perspective, it, do, it would not make sense to, you're right. But on the other hand, Rapunzel is so unsure in the moment that he goes away that I feel like if he finished the kiss, she wouldn't have been. No, okay, like, if we're gonna talk about how Flynn is being a dumb idiot, yes, of course, <laughs> yes, yes, he should have kissed her. But let's let's think about what Flynn's going through in this moment. He's he's about to kiss this girl, and then out of the corner By the way, of his by eye, the way, by the way, you keep on calling him Flynn, and usually it's fine, but at this point- Fine, Eugene- I feel like Flynn, quote unquote, would finish kissing a girl and Eugene is being a dumb idiot. Well, here's you know the thing, saying? right, is Eugene is a fucking nerd who, who, who... Yes, Eugene's a nerd. Who acts like, who acts like yes. Han Solo because he read about him in a book, but he's not Han Solo. He's Eugene. Okay, he's still kind of Han Solo. Yes, okay, he's still kind of Han Solo. Okay, Eugene later does... And before, he kicks a lot of ass. No, okay, here's what I'll say about here's what I'll say about Eugene, right? Han Solo has fucked before Star Wars <laughs> happened. You don't know Eugene's life? Eugene I refuse to believe that Eugene has ever touched a girl's hand before he met Rapunzel. Okay, well, I mean, canonically, he did. I don't want to get into it. God damn it. There's this great line in one of the episodes where um, they talk about how he stole the Baron Stallion, and then later it's revealed that Stallion is the name of his daughter. Oh, no! The point is, Eugene Fox. Eugene Fox. Okay, fine. I didn't know. Um, Let me... Well, now that you've destroyed the first half of my argument, let's get to the second half of the argument, which is that... Like, if it were me, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw two Ron Perlmans who wanted to, ki- who I knew wanted to kill me. <laughs> Take the boat in the other direction. I'd be like, well, I can't, I can't row faster than they can because they're two big buff dudes. They probably got rowing down. But B, I don't want to get this girl caught up they in- They did rowing at Harvard. Yeah, I don't want to get, yeah, like the twins in, uh, in, uh, the social network. Um, I just remembered that. That's, that would have been a good fun bit. Anyway, um, I, I'd be like, listen, I don't want to get this girl involved with the Stabbington brothers. So let's go smooth things over now and then just come back and explain myself. Hey, listen, just want to let you know these two guys wanted to kill me and I didn't want them to kill you. So I smoothed things over and, uh, not going to lie, seeing them kind of ruined the mood a little bit. So <laughs> let's... Let's go have a dinner, maybe, and find it again. Okay, I I like your uh, idea that there just needs to be a little bit more communication. I don't like the Stabbingtons killed my boner. I don't think it was a boner. But listen, man, I don't know. Like, I don't want to <laughs> kiss a girl in front of my parents. I definitely don't want to kiss a girl in front of two dudes who want to kill me. Nah, it kind of seems like a badass move, though, right? No, okay, but listen, but the reality is, <laughs> is that I'm just, ki- is that I'm just kissing, and I've already seen them. They know I've seen them. We made eye contact, 
And oh, uh, and yeah, now if you kiss her, now it's really weird. And I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna keep my eyes open, but I have to keep my eyes open because they're right there. Because <laughs> what if you close your eyes? But you can't close, you can't keep your eyes open when you're kissing somebody because it's weird. Yeah, but they won't know because they probably think the same thing. Who won't know? The person you're kissing. Yeah, but the brothers know. <laughs> like, is this motherfucker keeping his eyes open while he's kissing her? Wait a second, is he looking at us while he's kissing her? We gotta leave. We gotta go. This is weird. This is way worse than I thought it was going to be. I, is he looking at me or you or both of us? What does this mean? Should we go over there now while they're kissing or wait? Oh, he's coming to us. Is he gonna kiss us? It's a lot, right? Just take things one. You gotta divvy up the workload here. And unfortunately, kissing has to take a backseat for this one. I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this opinion, probably. Uh, so props to Gothel. She is a very, very competent abuser. Yes, <laughs> I guess. Props to being a competent abuser. I'm just saying, if you're going to be good at something, be good at something. <laughs> uh, because, like I said before, she does not only use Rapunzel, but she uses the Stabbingtons to the point where they apparently trust her enough that she can knock them both out before they can do anything. Mm-hmm. And then she and Rapunzel can run off. And yes, what she, she has used everyone around her to make Rapunzel feel helpless so that she has to go home with her. I will say, unlike Scar, she doesn't mm-hmm. forget herself in front of the people she's tricked. She makes sure they're out of the way. She's never hoists herself by her own petard. Uh, she's a very competent villain, which makes her a little bit more intimidating, I think. Because she would have gotten away with it. Yeah, if it weren't for those meddling kids and their dog... And their chameleon? Horse? Yes, you could definitely make that spinoff. Max is, Max is Scooby-Doo in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you gotta have them talking. Yeah, well, then there's the problem. Is there a Hanna-Barbera with a talking horse? I feel like there had to have been, right? There, was, there were like 500 of them. But it wasn't one of the big ones. No, The big no. ones had, a sh- had like a shark. The car, I, a talking car. The was car, one. the car the, and the shark. The ghost, the Civil War ghost. The, um... Neanderthal? Captain Caveman. Yes. Here we go. Tiro Loco McGraw. I just looked up Hanna-Barbera talking horse. I'm glad you found it. And now that I see him, I remember him. Anyway, Eugene has been tied to a boat and pushed off towards the guards. I guess toward the prison. Yes. With the crown. And um, Rapunzel has been taken by Mother Gothel back home whoever you want to check in on first i guess well i would like to say that i do like that in the in that scene where if you look really closely you can see the ropes uh that have tied flynn to the boat which is a good touch i feel like a lesser movie storm princess wouldn't have shown the ropes i guess let's check in on flynn and the stabbingtons first since they uh so yeah flynn is uh sentenced to death for stealing a crown, as we mentioned, yeah. he is taken, you know, down this long hallway. No trial. No, absolutely not. But why would they need a trial? He had the crown. And he was trussed up for them. Like, this stinks to high heaven. But they're like, nope, we got him. Well, that's the thing, right? If there was a better cop here, like a Columbo, he would have been like, I don't know, I smell something fishy here. I mean, you know, maybe something's going on. But I think at this but point, these guys are just... there is a better cop. Okay. He's a horse. Right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what's about to happen. Okay, but that horse was a little bit bribed by Flynn here. Uh, he was. We didn't talk about this, but Flynn... The thing you're about to say is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. It, when they're going to row out and have their romantic honeymoon, yeah. in order to ensure Maximilian will... Or Maximus will 
play nice, I guess, while he tries to kiss this girl. He throws him <laughs> a bag of apples and he's like, don't worry, I bought them. Most of them. Most of them. And now this horse has the the philosophical quandary of, did I just eat a stolen apple? <laughs> See, that's that's why I think it's like a rivalry now. Because that's that's like a kind of mean prank you pull on somebody you like and kind of hate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Eugene sees the Stabbingtons, beats the crap out of two guards. Oh, man, this is, I think, the most badass moment that he has. Yeah, runs over to them, and they admit that they know about Rapunzel because of the old lady. And he realizes who it has to be, but he can't help her. And he is dragged into the next room where he sees a ceramic unicorn and then all hell breaks loose. This has got to be the simultaneously the sloppiest and yet most effective prison break I have seen in a movie in a while. Okay, so here is why I think it is like this. It is, one, it's effective because Max definitely planned it. That's the thing, right? Is the horse planned the break? Right. And it's sloppy because it's all the random thugs from the Snuggly Duckling doing it. Uh, work with what you got, I guess. I do think that the plan started with, all right, we'll just launch him out. <laughs> I know he can survive falling from a cliff, so he can survive this. Now, how do we get there? Uh, the scene where they launch him, which was, uh, all right, stand. What, what was it? Uh, hands up, elbows out, knees bent, feet apart. What, feet apart? That would still hurt. Are you kidding? He landed, like, directly on his groin. You wouldn't be able to see. Like, that would be so much pain. He should have spent that majority of the horse ride to that tower groaning in pain and whispering thank yous. (laughs) Like, I know this was your idea. Thank you so much. (laughs) Just give me a moment. I really feel like up to this point. We never really understood each other. <laughs> that that confession would have been better if he said it in between, like, groans of pain. Uh, so, yes. So, he lands on Max, who then char- just jumps off a freaking roof of a prison. I do not like this shot that happens here. This fucking Transformers-ass shot of the little girl <laughs> watching a horse jump from rooftop to rooftop. Like, uh, this is, a, like, peak Transformers, so I know why it's there. We're, like, in the middle of that. Fucking Bayhem. <laughs> Didn't need it in this movie. I'm really mad that it's there. Um, I think this is the only thing in the movie that I actually does bother me. I don't hate it, hate it. I, I do. Mean, it's fine. Okay. I do hate you, it. You can, you, you're allowed to hate it. It reminds me that Michael Bay exists, <laughs> like as a director and as a person. So they're off, off, off to the races, getting to the tower. Meanwhile, uh, back at the ranch. This scene opens with Mother Gothel having unwound all of Rapunzel's hair. Yeah. And she says it never happened. And then she goes to make dinner. Rapunzel uh, has a little keepsake of that of that flag that, that Flynn, they bought. Yeah, that Flynn got her. And she is looking at it, and she's looking at her paintings, and she realizes that she has painted the symbol of the kingdom over and over again in her own painting. Like, she has been subliminally messaging herself this whole life. Her whole life. Right. Also, um, the painting that is on her ceiling is of a baby being flown away by a bunch of birds, which until I mention it right now, like I realized as I was watching it, there was a baby being stolen. But as I say it right now, I realize that, as I said earlier, Mother Gothel used to be able to turn into birds in an earlier version. Oh, so that... I think it's just like that. I think it's just not subtly. 
I was kidnapped, and I don't really remember it, but I kind of remember know. it. Yeah, and it, even if Mother Gothel can't turn into birds in this, it still I think works as a symbolic. Like I remember, I remember this, and this is a good scene. I think uh, I was actually just reading about something very similar happening happening to a real person, which makes it a better scene for me. Um, although a very bleak thing to have happened to a real person. Yes. I think I also read something recently of a, of a woman who just found out that, like, she had been stolen as a baby. Yeah. Although that story is significantly sadder. So she, so she confronts her mother. The line that she has here, she admits that she knows everything. That she's figured it out. Mm-hmm. And that she's leaving. And Mother Gothel tries to do the thing that she's been doing for the whole movie, which is, like, you know, like, overpower her. And she had this thing in this scene and in earlier parts of the movie where she tells Rapunzel that she hates it when she does the mumbly thing and she just talks and talks and talks. Um, right. And here Rapunzel says, I know who I am. And Mother Gothel says, what? And she says, did I mumble, Mother? Which has the same energy as, did I stutter, bitch? Like, mm-hmm. like you really mm-hmm. feel a lot in that line delivery. And it's so good. So this is like, finally, she's not only standing up to Mother Gothel, but she's breaking free of her. And then it's at this point where Mother Gothel says the thing that she said way earlier. You want me to be the bad guy, I'll be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Man, a lot happens in this final scene once. Oh, by the way, this is important. Max needed to save Eugene to get to Rapunzel because Max did not know where Rapunzel was. Yes. I knew all that, but when I was watching it with my cousin, she was like, why didn't the horse just save her? And I was like, huh, why didn't the horse just save her? And I was like, oh yeah, only Eugene knows about the tower. Nobody else does. He didn't tell anybody, mm-hmm. which I find kind of interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, he wouldn't, right? Like, by the time he gets to anybody that he would tell, he wouldn't. Well, and also, it makes it so that him going to save her is earned. Yes, because it takes so much time to break him out and then for him to save her. Like, why didn't just the, the other guys save her? Because, well, they couldn't. He was literally the only one who could. Uh, he climbs up her hair to get into the tower. And we do get the classic line from the fairy tale here, which I think is nice. Because in the story, it's like a like a chant, right? Like, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. But in this, it's mm-hmm. like panicked. Like, he's yelling her name over and over again. And he gets to the tower and he's like, let down your hair. But it comes off as the fairy tale, and I was like, that's super clever, like a twist on that. Yeah, I like that. He climbs her hair to find her chained to the far wall, and Mother Gothel, in the other Chekhov's gun that we didn't mention, one of the other Chekhov's gun that we didn't mention, is just this knife that she's had the whole time. She finally gets to stab somebody she fucking, with it. She just stabs the shit out of him. She fucking Julius Caesar's in. Yeah, she does. In the Right in the side. For a movie that has, for the most part, leaned towards the Looney Tunes side of comedy. This fucker sure gets stabbed and starts this, dying. This guy <laughs> gets stabbed and is dying. And it's like, whoa, um, uh, this is a fucking movie, guys. Um, so, <laughs> so Rapunzel says, if you let me save him, I'll go with you, like, quietly. But if you if you let him die, I will fight you forever. Mm-hmm. Well, she says it the other way, right? Which is okay. Which, fine. Which, which, which <laughs> I think I think it, I think the order does matter here because she's. Telling, I think the order does matter because she says she will always fight her unless she gets to do this one thing. And, and hey, let's go back to the other Chekhov's gun that I brought up, which is the mirror. The mirror that she looks into before when she gets the realization of who she is, which is the the mis- the stolen princess, right? breaks Mm -hmm. during this scuffle 
And the fact that this came back, that this mirror came back like a third, a fourth time as a Chekhov's gun is fucking amazing because Eugene doesn't want her to make this choice. Basically, the fact that she has magic hair is keeping her a prisoner to the one person who knows to take advantage of her magic hair. So he makes the choice that she couldn't. Later referred to as the most dramatic haircut. Um, she <laughs> cuts the weight of her past off of her, quite literally, and also metaphorically. He pulls this uh, shard of glass through her hair, and she comes out of it with like a pretty nice bob, which, I good for her. Very 90s. She looks like she just walked out of the coffee shop from Friends. It looks nice. Gothel immediately starts aging extremely rapidly. She, like... Three, maybe four seconds after this, she turns into Darth Sidious. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, gathering up all the hair and screaming no. And then uh, Pascal trips her and she falls out a window. But Pascal does not kill her because she is dead way before she hit that ground. Pascal was ready to commit murder. Like, he yeah. was there. Ride or die. But she <laughs> but she turned to dust before she hit the ground. Uh, uh, but he was ready. Well, that's the thing that you need to understand about the cute Chameleon. animal sidekicks, right? Is they can commit murder. They get one freebie. Yeah, my, my favorite part of uh, of Pocahontas is when the raccoon just pulls out a fucking gun and shoots the governor dead. It's just that that one did have a, a gunshot as part of the plot of... That's why I used that one. Yeah, it's just, it's funny because... In, in that one, he saw the gunshot. He's like, actually, no, fuck this. <laughs> but I think Timon and Pumbaa's hands are pretty bloody. Oh, Timon and Pumbaa, like, in the second Lion King, probably did kill some lions. And in the first movie, definitely killed some hyenas. <laughs> so they they hit Apex Predator status by the end of those two. Yeah, they're never turning back. <laughs> <laughs> we only eat carnivore meat now. Pumbaa, from now on, we only eat carnivore meat. Uh, this is getting too much like the wild. <laughs> uh, Eugene is dying. Yeah, Flynn fucking dies. And Eugene also dies with him. <laughs> the kind of thing that happens in this scenario. Where, but, uh, I will say though, and this is like the, I, at this point I'm tearing up. I don't cry. A tear does not fall until, cause Rapunzel, before Eugene cuts her hair off, starts singing the song. That she needs mm -hmm. to sing in order for her hair to work. Um, but she doesn't finish it when he cuts her hair off, right? As he dies, she says to him, bring back what once was mine. And that, just that song line in that moment is a lot. And the movie does this thing that I think is mean. That Beauty <laughs> and the Beast did. Which is cutting into his face with the teardrop. And then cutting away like, nope, you thought, bitch. He's dead. <laughs> uh, but then they cut back in again and the tear starts glowing and they're like oh you thought twice <laughs> i vividly did not remember the ending of this movie i remembered this part which was eugene dying i didn't remember whether or not they walked it back <laughs> i was like okay but does he come back i don't know anything about the show but i don't remember seeing him in any of the stills <laughs> so i'm really struggling here did they fucking kill off eugene <laughs> it got me like for a for a split second i thought though that maybe <laughs> they were just gonna let him die they didn't um, and i did cry but he doesn't die we wrap up the story like real quick after this we do get to see a pretty intense so like you said there are no uh voice actors for 
the king, queen. So we only get to see their character models. And we didn't mention this before, but the king in the last scene that he was in looked so old and tired. Yeah. Because while everybody else was out celebrating, they were thinking about how their daughter had been kidnapped. And how she still isn't back. And so then there's this this, scene, this very intense scene where they're like running to the front of the castle because somebody has you know, told them their daughter is back. They have this big hug and then Eugene's voiceover comes to wrap it up again. On the one hand, I think it's cool that this is all wordless. On the other hand, I, I do wish one of them had dialogue here. Just something before we get to the wordlessness of it. But yeah, we we wrap up the story. He talks about how like uh, you know, um eventually she became the queen of the uh, of Corona. All of the thugs realized their dreams. The thugs who he does not refer to by name, even though we know their names from the song, which I don't know. I I can't decide if I really like or really don't like. Well, I I don't think he was paying attention until until about the end of it. He mentions that eventually, after a long time, uh, they did finally get married. Or he finally said yes, he claims. Yeah, he claims. Big claim. Uh, citation needed for this claim. And then I think that's it. Yes, and that's uh, we we get credits here, and uh, the credits are pretty good. They're pretty. They're all right. The art style is kind of awesome it's interesting because it's so wildly different not only not only from this but also they end up doing 2d animation for the show and it's not at all that art style either this is just something that's kind of unseen in the rest of uh this world they made this movie i think we both kind of said multiple times over the course of this episode that we both like it how do you feel about it kind of as it stands with other with the other kind of major disney disney films in general but specifically disney princess films i kind of take one of your major points about it which is it kind of redefines what a what a princess film is Mm -hmm. in a way that like little mermaid did yes and then it like defines it again 10 years 20 years later jesus Yes, like 20 years later, where like Little Mermaid did a lot to, you know, give Ariel her own characterization besides just a princess mm-hmm. and focus a little bit more on the love story so that there was, you know, something there instead of just and then the prince shows up. Yeah. Similarly, even though Tangled has a love story, Rapunzel's story is not a story about falling in love. No. She just kind of happens to fall in love during it. It's it's one of those things, right, where... Falling in love was something that, it was a result, but it wasn't the goal. And I think that's nice. The other thing is, and I don't think I quite share your opinion that, like, this is, like, way better than Frozen or anything, Mm. but damn, does it look good. Yes, this movie looks fucking amazing. Corona as a place, all the, like, green and the especially the tower the tower looks great and like everything looks fantastic it looks like a fucking painting like it looks like a rococo painting if you've ever heard of that it has such like bright vibrant colors associated with it and the depth to a lot of the scenes like it it a lot of the shots reminded me a lot of bambi like with more sunlight like the sun's a big part of this movie so every scene has like a good like sunlit something I think a big part of why this movie holds up is because there's clearly an aesthetic that they're going for. It feels very much like a French painting, though, for most of the movie. So maybe that's what they went with, like, as a reference. But Thank you for listening to Direct-to-Video. VHS? VHS?
I have been your host, Tony Robusto. And I have been your host, Andy Reyes. You can, can find, find me on Twitter <laughs> at TheaterBats and at my website at InspiredByTrueEvents.org. And you can find me uh, You can find me on Twitter at Royalty underscore Valens. I post a lot more now than I used to, so I'm, I'm getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't remember what he posts. It could be terrible. <laughs> uh, mostly <laughs> jokes about PowerPoints. Hilarious. Uh, jokes I, in heavy quotations. But we would also like to thank Lee Rosevere for his song, Planet E, off of the album Trappist One. And you can find more direct-to-video stuff at direct2.video. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we mentioned it in like the last episode, but it got a redesign. Yep. And it looks, I don't know, I just think it looks better. It's easier to find stuff. Yeah, you can definitely navigate it better. Yeah. Uh, remember to give us, if, if you have a ratings system on your podcatcher or you're using iTunes, give us a five-star review if you liked us. And if you didn't like us, give us a five-star review and tell us why you didn't like us in the review and maybe we'll actually read it. Um, yeah, that's actually the only way to give any negative feedback, is to exclusively give positive feedback. Don't look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, next time we're just going to watch Tangled Before Ever After, right? Yeah, uh, we're going to watch, that's going to be the compliment to this Tangled episode. Ever After. Ever After, <laughs> which came out in 2017, but takes place after, so. I'm the ghost of John Smith. Uh, and look out, that's where I died. <laughs> they didn't see that. <laughs> All right. Uh, At the end of this movie, they have a map of the major, like, parts of Corona, and you can see that Eugene has labeled parts of them. And I did look over and tell uh, my girlfriend, who was watching the movie with me, I kind of wish he wrote That's Where I Died and pointed to the tower. All right. Well, now I demand that you watch this video or something. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let me just press play then. Uh, watch your step, pal. That's where I died. See? <laughs> <laughs>